This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Coming up on today's Noon Business Hour, we'll talk about travel credit cards, a double dose of Travel Tuesday. Also, Boeing is changing the rules for the mandatory retirement age, trying to keep its current CEO online for a little while. Also, Playboy making big waves on Wall Street, all because of NFTs selling images. Right now, Brian Westbury is joining us, chief economist at First Trust Advisors in Wheaton, looking at forecasts of inflation. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for being with us. Trying to understand here, what is the risk of inflation and what's leading to that? The world we live in right now, in, in, in a way, it was very predictable. We borrowed from the future in the past 12 months, $5 trillion that's over 25% of our economy every year. We, we basically put it on a credit card, handed it out to people to spend, and, and, and then at the same time, we shut down the economy. We you know, closed restaurants, bars, theaters, cruise ships, airlines uh, were, were you know, really slammed back. And so we had all this money to spend and less to spend it on. And as a result, we're ending up with higher prices, lumber, oil, gold, silver, copper, aluminum, corn, uh, semiconductors, all just about everything. Procter & Gamble is raising prices uh, for you know items that we find in the grocery store. Uh, and it's all because we have extra spending power but less production of goods and services. And so does that level off? I mean, is there a way that we sort of, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, sort of break even and, and the inflation slows down? Yeah, so this is uh, this is the huge debate, Cisco. The Fed is calling this inflation transitory or temporary. And, and if you think about it, yes, when supply chains get back on, when you can go on cruise ships and vacations, I mean, a lot of people skipped two vacations and ended up having enough money to buy a car, if you will, or or a washing machine or or a lot of people have been moving as well. So so once we kind of catch up with supply uh, and uh, things open up, then that spending will get spread across more things and inflation uh, will tend to slow down. So I do think this is part partly just a blip. However, Underneath all of this, the Federal Reserve has printed over $4 trillion in the past year. That's when we we add more money to the system than we have supply, that money falls in value, too. So I think there's some long-run inflationary potential here, um, and there's also some short-run. The short-run will get taken care of. 
but then the long run inflation will begin to pick up. So I, I look at inflation in the next few years as being higher than we're used to in the past five or ten. And is there, you've touched on this, I mean, I'm just wondering if the economic growth that we need, if that may be slowed down by the inflation. It could, yes. Well, once the Fed starts to raise rates, and this is what they always do when they get worried about inflation. Now, the Fed's not going to worry about inflation for a couple of years, but once they get worried, then they start to lift rates, and that's kind of the end of the party, if you will. Uh, we call that taking away the punch bowl. So right now, the punch bowl is out. Everybody's dipping in it, and spending is uh, going crazy. Uh, if the Fed takes away that punch bowl, that that to me, and I don't think this will happen until 2023 or 2024, but that's when the the party, so to speak, but that's when a uh, comes to an end. That's when a recession can happen. Thanks so much. Good insight. Brian Westbury, chief economist at First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Just ahead, Playboy is making moves on Wall Street. We'll tell you what's behind it. Now, after several lean years, Playboy is getting a boost. It's entering the NFT, non-fungible token space. Let's get some insight. Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, host of the Strategy Hacker live stream at ShellyPalmer.com slash live, based in New York City. Uh, Shelly, we've had you explain this to us other times, but for people who didn't hear it, kind of give us a primer here. What exactly is an NFT? Oh, just quickly, an NFT is a, is a non-fungible token. It is exactly the opposite of a crypto coin. Every crypto coin is fungible, meaning you can exchange any coin for any coin, just like you can exchange any U.S. dollar for any other U.S. dollar. But a non-fungible token is something like your house and my house. They're both houses, but you can't just swap yours for mine because they don't, that's just, they're not fungible. They're non So that's what a non-fungible token is. It's a unique thing with a unique identifier. And in this case, uh, NFTs actually are paired with smart contracts. And that's just like a, a regular contract, every contract you would normally make with any other individual or entity. The difference is that a smart contract can have its conditions met digitally, which is what makes it smart. And when those conditions are met, something happens like cryptocurrency goes into your account automatically. So you can work with people you don't trust and don't know, because if your business model supports the idea that someone would pay you or some transaction would happen that you were involved with without being involved, and you'd be paid no matter what, and it would be exactly what you needed to be paid on the exact percentage, or the deal wouldn't go through. That's what a smart contract does, and that's how NFTs function. Yeah, it sounds a lot safer, and it's really made, we've talked about other digital artwork, it's made to be able to use these NFTs to get money for digital artwork, and that seems to be what Playboy is going to take advantage of. Yeah, one of the uses for a smart contract and an NFT, the most popular one right now is, and the one that everyone's jumping on, is this idea that you can take a small digital file, you can make an NFT, put a smart contract around it. Not only is there a primary market where you might be able to promote and sell the work, um, but you'd also have a secondary market which you could participate in. So that if it sells again and again and again, you have some kind of royalty stream that's guaranteed in cryptocurrency. Of course, Everybody is doing it, and I don't know what the value of all of this artwork now becoming available in an NFT format is. And very importantly for everyone, the fact is that all of these are digital files, which you can readily see everywhere and get everywhere. They're not protected in any way. You're just owning the, quote, original. So what Playboy is doing is they've hooked up with Nifty Gateway, which is an NFT-centric uh, organization, and they're going to put out a bunch of NFTs. They have – remember, we all read Playboy for the articles, but there was also cartoons – and uh, stuff that was uh, safe for work. 
they are a different company today than they were years ago. I did some consulting for Playboy 30 years ago, 25 years ago, actually. And right when digital, um, let's just say digital uh, amateur uh, videos were taking a big bite out of their main business, and they struggled mightily, but they've come back. They're now into sexual wellness, and they do apparel and gaming. And it's important for people who, who are uh, thinking financially about Playboy to understand that their brand means something different in almost every market. They were a little promiscuous with their brand. So kids wear the Playboy bunny on their, on their pajamas in, in Asia where they would never do that here, right? So, I mean, there's, it, the brand is perceived differently everywhere. Uh, it, but they are going to do this thing with their collection, their massive uh, archive of cartoons and artwork, which, you know, we'll see if there's a market for. Cisco, this whole thing is about marketing. It's not about the tech. If, if, if there's no market for it, if it's not an NFT, there isn't going to be a market for it if it is an NFT. The NFT part isn't going to matter. That's the thing. This is a terrible video. Let's make a DVD out of it. Really, <laughs> you know, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. If it's skywriting or carrier pigeons, it's a great movie. Yeah, it right? makes great a lot movies of sense. Great movies. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Thanks so much. Good stuff. That's Shelley Palmer. By the way, Playboy stock today down a little more than a half a percent. Got a boost at the open. Now it's down. It's kind of bouncing around a little bit today. Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, Chicago-based Boeing, is approving a service extension for its boss. That's up next. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Chicago-based Boeing pushing back mandatory retirement for its CEO. 64-year-old David Calhoun can now stay on until age 70. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Kenton Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. Uh, Ken, good to have you on the show. So what's behind Boeing's move here? Well, good morning, Cisco. Or good afternoon, Cisco, and thank you for having me on. Uh, well, first off, this is a recent happening because the Boeing uh, board or the Boeing company met in Chicago just earlier this morning, and the decision was to keep David Calhoun, who had been on the board and was named uh, uh, head after this situation with the 737 MAX where Dennis Muhlenberg was pushed out, he took over this uh, Mr. Calhoun in on the January 20 January of January of 2020 and he's been there but he's been turning the company around some big things that have helped one the fact that United and Southwest back last month placed orders also last month in March they actually had more new orders than planes or orders that were canceled so things are turning in that sense now the interesting thing here that's went on is at before the meeting, there were two proxy advisory firms. One said, Glass-Lewis, recommended shareholders vote against the non-executive chairman, Larry Kellner, and Andrew G.M. Bastini, because they had been on the board for a while, and they're on the safety committee, and also on their audit. So they thought, hey, you guys, you didn't do a good job. On the other hand, the institutional shareholder service recommended that people vote for the entire slate, and the entire slate was elected, and the two that were in question, Kellner and GM, GM, GM Bastini, who is a retired former admiral in the Navy, they received 80% of the shareholder votes. So the long and short is I think what's happening is Boeing shareholders are saying, look, yeah, we had a problem. We're turning it around. I mean, the stock is selling about 235.15. It's down a little bit at noon trading at 4.5%. But the low of a 52-week period was 113.88, and the high is 278.57. So you can see good shape. 
And I think this is what the shareholders are saying. Continuity, it's like a ocean ta- uh, ocean tanker. Long as it takes a while to turn that ship around, and they're turning it. So that's where we are. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Ken. Yeah, no reason to really change, at least in the near term, if things are going well. Thank you so much. That's Ken Goldstein. As Ken mentioned, Boeing stock down today about 4.5%. Just ahead, Travel Tuesday, why the government is raising the alert level for travel to a host of countries. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. What are the markets doing today? Falling. We'll tell you why. Travel Tuesday. We'll talk about new alert levels for several countries. Find out why this might be a very good time to get a travel credit card. On those markets, the Dow down 312, the Nasdaq down 180, and the S&P down 38 points. Oil is down one and a third percent. We have some sunshine in the northern suburbs, some of the western ones as well. Still some light snow and light rain in some of the southern suburbs in northwest Indiana. 39 degrees right now, 37 degrees along Chicago's lakefront. The jury is continuing deliberations today in the Derek Chauvin murder trial in Minneapolis. There are three separate charges the jury must reach a verdict on. The most serious charge is second-degree murder. Derek Chauvin is also charged with third-degree murder. And then the least serious charge, second-degree manslaughter. The jurors are being sequestered during the deliberations. They are staying in a hotel, not going home. Contact with family members is limited. Steve Futterman, CBS News, Minneapolis. Mayor Lightfoot says she expects fans will be allowed in the seats for Bulls and Blackhawks before their season's end. She says both teams have solid anti-COVID plans, even as they acknowledge a recent surge in cases. But time is running out. The Bulls and Blackhawks each have just seven games left on their schedules. It's 12.32. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets kind of struggling today. The Dow down 303. NASDAQ down 176. And the S&P is down 37 points. Let's find out what's going on. Bill Stone is joining us, Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company in Louisville. Bill, it's good to have you back on the show. What do you make of what you're seeing today on Wall Street? Yeah, I think today is a bit of, uh, you know, I guess it's always the old uh, profit taking when things are down. But obviously, we've run a long way. And it certainly isn't for, you know, earnings disappointments. I mean, as I look at every earning that I see on my screen, except for United Airlines, uh, all the rest of them are pretty significantly above us what we were expecting going into this. So uh, I think it's just a matter of we've had a heck of a run, and uh, and it's a little bit of moving toward the, you know, less risky areas. And usually you can find that when you see the utilities are the best performing sector, healthcare is performing very well, consumer staples, things like that, that people typically run to on defensive kind of days. Given the uncertainty of the recovery, I mean, it feels pretty good now, but you don't exactly know how it's going to go over the next several months. What do you do as an investor? Is it maybe changing some things like you're saying it sounds like investors are doing today? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is, again, and those sides have really run um, the things that were 
more geared to the recovery, I'd say it, it always makes sense to have some diversification across, you know, both these more defensive sectors and uh, more aggressive, whatever you want to call them. Uh, in the end, I don't think much has changed. I mean, in terms of how this this recovery looks like, I mean, it still looks to be extremely strong. I think this is more, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we just, you know, we're already or were before today up over 10% for the year, which is, uh, you know, a, a good run. So I, I think um, there's a little bit of keeping that into perspective. Yeah, sometimes newer investors, especially, they, they get a run and they expect that to continue. They don't understand that there are these ups and downs. In the long run, you're going to do okay, but there are these ups and downs. Exactly. And that's what shakes people out. And unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, sell at the exact wrong time when things sell off and buy at the at the wrong time when things are, you know, skyrocketing. It's typically best uh, when everyone's talking about wanting to buy to, to probably take it easy a little bit and on the uh, vice versa when everyone's kind of more scared of things is probably the time to start looking for some uh, some bargains. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's where the deals are. Uh, so let's talk about, you mentioned uh, the airlines. You got the airlines hurting. You got the cruise lines hurting. Uh, is that at all a buying opportunity? I mean, at some point, travel is going to get back to normal. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like or exactly when, but at some point, it seems like it'll get back to normal. Yeah, at least what I saw of the we we own a bit of uh, Delta ourselves, and and uh, you know I think what, what we saw from them, they reported earnings. I think it was last week. Um, they did talk about it, that they saw a pickup in in travel here in uh, March. Uh, and so, I, you know, and frankly, we we watch the TSA numbers. You can check how many people went through TSA on every given day, and they are pretty close to post-COVID highs. They've been running right around 1.4 million, 1.5 million, and a little bit above that's the post-COVID high. So we definitely see people moving around. I think one of the – today a little bit of an overhang was uh, the government talked about putting some uh, some – warnings out about different countries when they had higher COVID levels. And if, in fact, they went through with that, about 80% of the countries you would go to would have a warning on them right now. So international travel is probably a little bit further off. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that gets back to normal. Thanks so much. Good insight. Bill Stone, Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company in Louisville, Kentucky. Just ahead, it's Travel Tuesday. We will talk about what Bill was just mentioning there, the increased alert level for travel overseas. It's Travel Tuesday on the Noon Business Hour. The State Department is raising the alert level for travel to several countries. Officials say it could help clear up some confusion. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York City. Uh, Joe, help us to understand here, what's the State Department doing? Well, the State Department, Cisco, is trying to align with CDC guidance. Um, and that means, essentially, as far as we can tell so far, 80% of the countries in the world are now at level four, which is the highest level of risk that the State Department says do not travel. Uh, and that's all related to COVID. Whether you listen to that or not is your choice, of course. But most of those countries you can't get into right now anyway, uh, because they've got barriers into entry for Americans and virtually everyone else. Yeah, and I mean, when you say 80% of the country, I mean, or 80% of the countries around the world, I, I wonder what that says to travelers, because a lot of people are sort of saying, forget it, I'm going anyway. Yes, that's fine. Except you can't go anyway. It doesn't matter right. that 
the State Department has said, well, you know, France is now level four. Don't travel to France. You can't go to France. So the State Department is basically the bureaucratic reporter here uh, in, in some sense. Um, what the traveler in Chicago needs to think about is when a country opens up. If you're desperate for a vacation to get out of the April snow, I can suggest to you the Maldives. It's open to anyone who has been vaccinated. Now you have to fly 20 hours to get to the Maldives. But, <laughs> you know, how much how badly do you want to get out of the April snow? Are you you're seeing from what, what you're seeing online? Are, are you seeing that a lot of people in the U.S. because of what you're saying, not only the warnings, but also some of the places that you can't get to no matter what? They, they're just saying, all right, well, these vacations, they're going to be at home here somewhere in the United States. Um, that is true. And you pretty much are limited to the United States because you can't get into Canada uh, by road. And by the way, Canada is only about four percent vaccinated. So you're looking at U.S. destinations, Mexico. Uh, the problem with Mexico is while well, you can get in there, they're having a real COVID problem. So, But I do suspect this will change Cisco and change for the reason people listening to this show will understand, finances. A, a country like Spain has 12% of its GDP tied up in tourism. They can't go another summer without tourism. So they will begin to open up Italy, Spain, Greece, France. Germany, they'll all have to open up because they can't afford the financial hit too much longer, and they are beginning to get vaccinated. And then it's just a matter of people in the U.S. who have been vaccinated saying, okay, am I going to risk going to a country that's a hot spot? Am I going to trust that my vaccine is going to protect me, even though it, it may not protect you 100%? Well, no vaccine is 100%. Let's start there. What a vaccine's job is to do is to limit the illness if you get it and hopefully protect you. Um, I think the reality is that as countries get more vaccinated, we'll, we'll get to an equilibrium. The question remains, if you're an anti-vaxxer and you're saying, well, either I think COVID is a hoax or I don't want to take an untested vaccine, you know, until it's technically legal as opposed to the emergency use we have, then you're out of luck because no country is going to take you if you're not vaccinated. They have no patience for the anti-vax movement that we have here. It's you want to come to our country, show us you're vaccinated. Yeah, well, they don't want you to be a part of an outbreak in their country. I mean, they, they want you. They want the dollars. They want you to travel. They just don't want you right. to cause that kind of problem. Exactly, because they've got enough of the problem of their own. They don't need to be importing any. So if you're if you've been thinking that you can get by without the vaccine, that's fine. But don't be expecting to travel to many international destinations this summer. Then you are pretty much limited to the United States because no other country will have you. Thanks so much. Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com. That's Travel Tuesday. We'll get another dose of Travel Tuesday as more Americans are traveling. How credit card companies are boosting their offers to attract new cardholders. The best daily deal in Chicago. The WBBM Noon Business Hour. Forecasts show a sharp increase in the number of Americans making travel plans this year. Credit card companies are hoping to get in on the action. Let's talk about it with Matt Schultz, Chief credit analyst at lending tree in austin texas matt good to have you back on the show uh, so tell us here i guess a lot of people traveling and the credit card companies want to make some money yeah people um at the the credit card companies realize that things are about to shift as close to normal as they've been in a while and when people start all of that spending 
that uh, has been pent up from over the past year. These card issuers want to make sure that their card is the first one that people take out of their wallets. So we're seeing some big sign-up bonus offers. To It's Capital One's Venture Rewards, where you can get a bonus of 100,000 miles. But what's kind of interesting about this one is that you get that bonus if you spend $20,000 in purchases over a full year. So really important to understand the length of time you have to make that required minimum purchase before you sign up for these bonuses. Comparatively, is that a lot that you have to spend? I mean, $20,000, it seems like even if it is over a year, it's a lot compared with what companies are usually demanding. Yeah, generally speaking, you're looking at about 3000 or 4000 over three or four months. So when you do the math on that, that's more like $1,500, $1,600 a month that you have to spend on that capital card. So, But the good news is that, that if you're not quite going that distance, if you spend 3000 in the first three months, you can get fifty. So there is a, a happy medium there. So that's $95 uh, if you want that for the annual fee. Uh, tell us about another card that's coming up. Yeah, the, the Chase Sapphire Preferred card is one that is recommended for a lot of people who are just getting started with travel rewards and that sort of thing. And their sign-up bonus right now is 80,000 points, which I think might be the highest it's ever been. It's worth about $1,700 in travel when you redeem it, and you just have to spend 4000 in the first three months. It's a really strong offer for a really strong card. So those are both uh, cards you're, you're dealing with uh, miles. I guess with the Chase, you can use it for a variety of different travel. Uh, what about hotels? Any, any good cards there? Yeah, there's the Hilton Honors American Express Surpass card has a bonus of 130,000 Hilton Honors points. That's a really big number, and it's definitely going to catch people's eye. And you just have to spend $2,000 in the first three months to get it. But it's really important to understand that not all points are created equal. So you need to do a little bit of homework, a little bit of reading at sites like LendingTree, uh, to understand what the real value is of those points and not just get blinded by the size of that number. Thanks so much, Matt Schultz, Chief Credit Analyst at Lending Tree. If you missed any part of today's show, you can just go to our stream and skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function. It works both online and on the Odyssey app. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas. Phoenix and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.